this past spring, I had the opportunity to go to the West Jessamine Middle School Ice Cream Concert. My son performs in the band, and uh, on that particular evening, I had Maddie duty. Maddie is our three-year-old daughter who, um, let's say, is active, okay? So sitting in a seat for, I don't know, five hours, which is how long a middle school concert takes when you've got the orchestra, the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade orchestra, then the sixth grade band, seventh grade band, eighth grade band, and they're all separate. Then they combine to do a big number at the end, and they're set up and turned on. So it takes a while. And so after, I don't know, like the first bar or two of the first song, Maddie decided that she was done. And so... I went with Maddie, and we went exploring the middle school. And I figured, you know, if the door's unlocked, it's an, an open invitation. So we went all over. We were going up and down stairs. We played the jump off the bench game. There are benches in the lobby at the middle school. And so, you know, kaboom, kaboom, you know, it's concrete, honey. Go a little easy. Um, my arm grew from holding her. My arm grew. I measured two and a half inches that night just from the, you know, force of her trying to pull away. Um, and the thing is, we've been logging a lot of extracurricular hours lately because of different activities that our kids are in, and our kids aren't in a lot. They're just, each kid has like one thing that they do, and, but it adds up, okay? And so we've been logging some extra things, and Jenny and I would say band is important. In fact, it was so important this last spring, I was one of several parents that, you know, they were, they were threatening they, you know, there's always them, aren't, you know, they, don't they tell you what to do at work? Those people, them, Okay. Um, well, they had decided they were going to cut the band program, so a bunch of us parents were like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. We like band, yay band, da-da-da-da, because, you know, we felt it was important. But you know what? Band's not as important as some other things. I mean, on a sliding scale, some things are more important than others. My cousin, who was here for the anniversary celebration that we had, she put it this way. I thought this was funny. I was like, Kelly? Okay, so she says, well, here's my philosophy. All her kids are grown up in high school and college now. And she says, here's, my, here's how it works, Max, let me tell you. When they're toddlers, you drag them to all of your stuff, and then they complain and put up a fit, and it's, I'm tired, I want a nap, or I'm, you know, blah, blah, But you're dragging them to what you want to do. And then when they become teenagers, all of a sudden it switches and they drag you to their stuff, and you sit through hours and hours, and da 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 And I was like, thank you, Kelly. Makes me feel much better. Um, but if, if you're a parent, and you have kids still at home, uh, you already know that life can sometimes be a bit of a blur with all of the activity. I mean, you've got a lot going on in your life, and then your kids have stuff going on in their lives. And there's academics, and none of us would say academics are, you know, not important. I mean, right? They, they should at least learn to add or subtract or maybe read. That would be good. Okay, academics. And then there's social activities. I want to hang out with my friends. Can I have $20? Uh, and you know how that works, okay? And then there's athletics. And sometimes the athletics, you have to go to, like, you know, Washington State, okay? And so, you, well, for the tournament. And then, you know, it's, it's drive. And so that's a commitment. And then there's faith and character development. And there's all that stuff, and it's kind of woven in. And in the blur, in the blur, a lot of us are lulled into thinking that all of them are maybe equally important, but they're not. What is a successful kid? What is a successful kid? And what is successful parenting? I mean, what is it really? Last week, we said that real success is not what you accumulate or accomplish, it's who you become. And if it's really all about who you become, then all of a sudden of those things of academics 
of social activities, of athletics, and of faith and character development, all of a sudden among those four, faith and character development becomes actually kind of more important than all of them, doesn't it? Because who your kid becomes is serious stuff. That's real success. Take a moment and think back to your parents, okay? You got them in your mind. Don't cry. It's okay. It's church, okay? Okay, think about mom and dad, all right? What were some of the jobs that your mom and or dad had? I mean, think about these things. I have a friend who's in youth ministry, and this is what he says. He says, when I ask my teens what their, what their parents do for work, they can almost never tell me the name of their job, their title, and oftentimes the company that they work. Very rare is it a teenager who can actually tell me, my dad works for General Electric, and he works on the line, and he's, the, you, know, you know, they can't. And, and so, okay, so think for a minute, okay, back to your mom and dad. Uh, what are some things they taught you? Or more importantly, what are some of the quotes that stick in your mind from mom and dad? I know. Pack an extra pair of underwear. Okay, so, you know, some of the things that they just said over and over again. I am not your mate. Okay, just stuff, okay, that they may have said to you. Um, do I have to count to three? I mean, you, okay, there's some, there's some, and that might fill what? Maybe a page or a half a page. I mean, really, could you remember that many quotes from them? Okay, but now if I were to ask you to take pieces of paper and write down who your parents were, tell me about their character, tell me about their strengths and weaknesses, you could probably write a treatise, couldn't you? I mean, you could nail them. I mean, about all in all their glory, all, they, all the stuff they did really well, all the stuff they did poorly, what, what their character traits were. See, kids learn... Uh, their early view of God from their parents. And we talk about that a lot at Generations, but kids learn what's important through the family schedule. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, Today, I want to put a stake in the ground, and the stake in the ground today is this, and I want to make sure I get this right. Weaving faith into your everyday life, weaving faith into your everyday life is what's going to produce an everyday faith in your kids' lives. And if you don't have kids, weaving faith into your everyday life is what's going to produce and everyday faith. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We come to this passage at least once or twice a year. This is like the mama passage for us at Generations. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to look at a part of it that we've never looked at before. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the big theme of this passage, it, uh, this is like one of God's greatest hits. If, if God were a top 40 radio station, Deuteronomy 6 would be on the top three or four songs, okay, on God's playlist. This, this passage, in fact, is so important that when Jesus got cornered by a, a, a religious teacher, and the religious teacher was like, come on, I mean, have you read the Bible, you know, the Torah? There's all this stuff. There's 626 commandments and rules. I mean, what, come on, rabbi. What is the most important? If you had to nail it down to one thing, what's the one thing? Think curly, okay? What's the one thing that we should know from the Bible? And Jesus quotes this passage, okay? So this is an important passage. In fact, if you were were Jewish and you were in synagogue yesterday, your synagogue service started with the recitation of this passage. It's that important, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
and we're going to read through the first uh, verse or two. These are all the commands, laws, and regulations that the Lord your God told me to teach you so that you may obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, so that you and your children and grandchildren might fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey these laws and commandments, you'll enjoy a long life. All right? Moses is about to send them off into the promised land, and he knows he's not going to get to go. And he is thinking ahead, and he's thinking of what lies ahead, and he's wanting to say, okay, well, listen, listen. Uh, when, when somebody is dying on their deathbed, and they motion for someone to lean in, and they want to say something, all of, a, all of a sudden that's really important, isn't it? What they're about to say carries weight. That's, that's kind of the context. Moses knows, I'm not going with you. I want you to pay attention. This is important, okay? So verse 3. Listen closely, Israel, to everything I say. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of ancestors promised you. And, and this little snippet right there, land of milk and honey, he knows they're going into a land of prosperity. They're going to have lots of stuff. They're going to be rich. They're going to eat grapes they didn't heart, you know, plant. They're going to, it's going to be awesome what they're going to get. And in the lush living conditions and prosperity, they're going to be tempted to forget what's important. And so he wants them to get this, okay? And then verse 4, you have it again. Hear, O Israel, and this is called the Shema, right, in Hebrew, right? Shema, O Israel, all right? That's how they would say it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord alone. Moses is saying, God's it. God's our God. Not anybody else. Not Baal. Not the Asherpole. Not these guys from Ra, from Egypt. None of them. God is our God. He's God. Then he goes on. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your strength. Where have you heard that before? Yep, there's Jesus quoting that passage. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey and when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. They would, they would actually make out of leather these things called phylacteries and they would stuff this uh, passage in there and have it right here and then they would tie it on their wrists and they would wear it on their arms. So when you uh, read in the New Testament, Jesus is um, interfacing with the Pharisees Guess what they were wearing? They had these on because they were really, you know, they were the God squad. They were tight with Yahweh. They were in, and so they had it there, okay? They literally took this, literally, all right? Talk about them when you're at home, when you're lying down, when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands. Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. Any good Jewish home, when you walk in through the doorpost to the right, is a thing that's a little crooked, and it's a mezuzo. And in the mezuzo is this passage, Okay? So th- this is important stuff. What I want to flesh out today is the, the, this section that we've never really fleshed out at Generations. This uh, Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey and when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. Here Moses lays out four times during a typical every day, every day, where you can bring faith into the mix. The first one is uh, when you're at home, when you're, when you're sitting at home, when you're at meals, right? When you're sitting down. I don't care if you go grab KFC or McDonald's. You don't have to cook. But when you're around the table, around the table is a great 
uh, time to do back and forth questions with your kids and to weave faith into the conversation. Um, my kids ask the most amazing questions that I don't know the answers to. And then they will make statements and I'll go, oh, you are not my child. I'll think it, I won't say it, okay? But, <laughs> right? And they do the same thing. Dad, okay? There's this back and forth that goes on. And it's not every mealtime. Jenny and I will be intentional maybe once a week to bring something up in the, in the course of a meal. Because there are some meals where it's eat and then the kids are done after three minutes, right? <laughs> okay? So, um, but during that mealtime, as a parent, you're really in the role of a teacher. You're teaching your kids some things that are important. And it's not just what you say, it's what you do. We'll get into that in a minute, okay? So mealtime is one of these times that you can leverage. Um, and then when you're traveling about, when you're driving around, okay, there's some things that you can do in the car. And you'll, what I found is that the magic time in my, my life has migrated. When the kids were y- really young, it was the bed at night, and now it's in the car. If I've got one of the olders in the car and the doors are shut and we're plowing along somewhere, that's where I'll get the most amazing questions. And that's where faith can be car- become part of the conversation, and it, and it comes out of nowhere. Um, but the privacy and safety of the car somehow has done something for my teenagers, okay? And Moses talks about a couple of other times. He says, uh, uh, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on a journey, when you're lying down, and when you're getting up again. Uh, when you're lying down at bedtime. Moms and dads, I never understood the importance of a kid's bedroom door until the past few years. And literally, uh, I have felt the weight of it when Jillian is mad at me, her door is shut, and I have to knock and ask permission and sometimes forgiveness to come in. A shut door is symbolic for a kid who's, say, under 13, okay, under 12. Um, and, and bedtimes, if you're a parent, you know this can be magical. When they're really little, that's the fairy princess, everything else. I mean, it just you do stories, and it's part of the thing. But when your kids get older, it can sometimes pass away, and you can get out of that practice. But it's still a good opportunity to to walk in and check in at the end of the day. Because sometimes at the end of the day, when everything's said and done, that's where the intimacy in, the, in, in a bedroom and conversation can happen. Um, and there's another time he talks about, and that's morning time. Uh, morning time. Jenny uh, and I will sometimes write notes. And if you do family times, uh, I'm telling you, there's these kits that you can subscribe to at Generations. And if you've got kids at home, it's, it's worth the 10 bucks. Uh, they give you notes that you can, sometimes I'll mail these to the kids, sometimes I'll put them in their lunch boxes. I've tried in their presence to throw them away when I'm, you know, uh, emptying old lunchbox stuff out, and, and, and I'll always get a, no, Dad, don't throw that away. You want to know why? These are notes, always notes of encouragement. And, and they'll st- I have noticed, I've been thinking, I hope you know, I'm really glad. And those are the fronts of the card. And I'll write things like, I'm really glad I had a son who is so responsible and da-da-da-da-da-da. Or, I've noticed that you've been showing a lot of empathy, Jillian, lately with your friend and, and that you gave her your special, you know, and, and they say these. I'm telling you, I've been in their bedrooms. It's weird. It is. Okay. So, uh, and if you do family times, you can get that stuff. Here, and, and here's why this stuff is important, and I want to get into this for a minute. Deuteronomy 6 
is all about bringing faith in God into your everyday life. And if there's one thing that we're missing in America, it's that we've reduced faith to this Sunday thing that's an hour. And then we go about our lives and we make our decisions and we, we go as if God doesn't exist outside of the, the church building. It's like, oh, I'm driving away. <laughs> Whew, see you next Sunday, God. That's crazy. I mean, seriously, if he really is God and he made everything and eternity is eternity and you're going to spend eternity somewhere and all of the stuff that's in the Bible is true, all of this, shouldn't he be part of every day at some point? I, I brought down some hours. If, if you're a church goer and you go to a church uh, that has a Sunday morning and a midweek, in the course of a year, you can, you can uh, accumulate 88 hours of church time. Isn't that good news? So in the course of a year, you can log 88 hours of church time if your church does Sunday mornings and uh, midweek. Now, we don't do midweek at generation, so at best, if there's no snow days and you come every Sunday, you can, only, you can log 51 hours, all right? 51 hours in the course of a year. That's what you can log at generations. Um, if, if you have kids who are fifth graders and they're doing math, the typical fifth, grade, uh, uh, fifth grader will spend, guess how many hours doing math homework over the course of a year? 400. 400 versus 50 hours in church. Um, and a study came out, some of you were uh, put it, posting it on Facebook, a study came out uh, a few months ago that, that showed uh, researchers who study these things that uh, media and screen time for 8 to 18-year-olds has increased dramatically from what it was five years ago. And so uh, if you've got a kid living... Uh, between the ages of 8 and 18 in your home, and there's no screen rules uh, because three out of, only three out of every 10 teenagers have any kind of limitations on the amount of screen, t- screen time they can have. Uh, that 8- that to 18-year-old over the course of the year will, will spend 2,500 hours in front of a screen. Now, the beautiful thing about this up-and-coming generation is that they're, um, that amounts to seven hours a day but the beautiful thing is they're often doing, consuming two different media types at the same time. So they're actually cramming 10 hours worth of media and screen time into seven. They're just amazing multitaskers, okay? So 2,500 hours. Do you know how much time, potential time, as a parent that you have with your kids? Over 3,000 hours in any given year, okay? That's, I have that many gumballs in here, all right? Here is 3,000 gumballs. This is what they look like. This is a lot of gumballs, isn't it? Take a look at that. I mean, that's a lot. If you're a parent, that's a lot of potential hours in which you could bring up faith and bring up God and weave it into your everyday life. Now, by comparison, okay, if this is what you got as a parent, this is what you get if you come to church every Sunday. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here's the comparison. There's no comparison. Well, see, that's what happens. That's what happens. We're going to see grandma and grandpa. Oh, honey, you're not going to believe this, but David's throwing up. We can't go to church today. Um, uh, are you kidding me? You mean the tournament for this is Sunday at 9? We're going to have to miss? 
Um, and so on and on it goes. And really, over the course of a year, what you end up is more like 40, not 50, okay? And I want to I talk to you about that for a minute. I think both of these are important, all right? So let me ask a question, and let me make some points of application. Here's the question. If you're a parent and you've got kids at home, can I ask you something? What's your plan for the faith and character development of your kids? Do you have one? We have one at Generations, believe it or not. I mean, through G-Town and Kid Stuff, there are 36 virtues that we want your kids to own and embrace by the time they come up, uh, become a grown-up. Things like honesty, things like perseverance, things like courage, things like peace, what we're talking about this month. And, and there are 150 Bible stories that we'd like them to, be, to have in here and in here so that by the time they go off to college or do their own thing, they at least, out of this book, know 150 key significant stories that are about God and his character and how God works and how life works. Um, and so you could partner. I mean, it's really a partnership. And together, we could really help pass on faith to our kids. If you don't have kids, I would imagine today that you've spent some time reflecting on what your parents did or didn't do, right? Um, but I want to ask you this question. Is God part of your everyday life? I mean, if you don't have kids and they're not in your future, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the parenting stuff. Is God part of every day? How, how could you weave God into your morning, into your meals, into your routine at night? How could you weave him into the time in the car? Um, here's step one, okay? So if there's homework, here's step one. Step one, moms and dads, please do not underestimate the value of some of these 3,000 hours. You don't have to talk about God and faith and for all 3,000 of these, but 100? I mean, uh, the surveys that I've read, uh, 9 out of 10 parents do nothing to leverage any part of these 3,000 hours when it comes to faith and character development of their kids. Surely 10, 100? So don't underestimate the value of what you have. You've got a lot more gumballs then we've got a church. But I would argue both are equally important. Leverage what you've got at home and then make Sunday a priority so that we can dovetail and partner together. There are too many Christian parents, in my view, in the United States who uh, uh, have, uh, they're, they're just going about and life is a blur and they're not leveraging these 3,000 hours and, and they're really not getting the benefit of this because it ends up being, you know, 30 or 29 or 25. And it, it adds up. Here's what I know. If you resolve today, you know what? I'm going to weave faith into my everyday life. I'm going to leverage some of these four times. And if you don't know how to start, talk to me this week. We'll put one of these in your hands. This is a great tool. Jenny and I don't use it consistently. It's not about everyday consistent, you know, it's about con the consistency within week to week, okay? Um, when the kid, uh, as the kids are little, I'll insert a Bible story instead of one of the books. But it's, a, it's an easy-to-use tool that makes it, helps you to be intentional in doing what it is that you want to do. Um, so if you resolve to do that, I want you to know up front, the devil is going to come at you like no tomorrow, seriously. 
leading up to this Sunday, our church has had more spiritual attack than we've probably had in the six years that we've, we, we've had as a church. Like people getting sick, their backs going out, you know, are we going to be able to pull off kid stuff? I mean, all this stuff, okay? Uh, and last night as I was praying, I, it was just like, I felt it more than I've ever felt in six years. And it's because this is important. You know why this is important? The devil is winning in our culture. Our, we are losing eight out of ten of our kids. We grow kids up in church, and when they turn 18, we only keep two of them. Eight of them are gone. Church attendance is declining. It's half of what it was 20 years ago, and it will shrink half again unless something changes. And it's got to change in our homes, in our hearts, in our churches. And this is a way to do that. It's, it's what God designed. It's why Moses gave this speech when they were about to enter the promised land. If you resolve to be a spiritual coach for your kid, understand you're going to get intact. Uh, you're going to make this resolve. We're going to do it. I'm going to bring it about for dinner. And then the, the macaroni and cheese is going to burn on the stove that night. I guarantee it, okay? And then, boom. And then you, you won't have followed through. And then the devil is going to come in and the devil's going to go, See, you resolved to be a spiritual stand-up dad or a spiritual stand-up mom. And you didn't follow through with what you wanted to do. Pfft, loser. And then the guilt will come in your head. That's how the devil works. He tries to sabotage, and then when there's a failure, he comes in and reminds you, oh, failure, God can't use that. Uh Uh-uh. Each day is a new opportunity. Each day is a new opportunity. So understand the the devil's going to come in behind and, and do this kind of stuff. This is important because I think in order for the church to gain ground in the United States... We've got to change how we're doing church, and that means that moms and dads and churches, we need to partner together so that we're weaving faith into our everyday life. And again, contact us this week. We'd be happy to talk about steps and tools to begin weaving that in. It doesn't have to be like the devotion time that you remember as a kid, okay? Just block that out of your mind. Here's, here, here's how simple this can be. Uh, a while back... When Jenny and I were younger, I made a decision, and I turned down a job that was going to pay $36,000 a year for a job that was going to pay me $500 a month. Okay? That's a big cut in income. I made that decision because I felt God was asking me to step out and do something in faith. When, I have conver- when I've had the conversation about this with the older you know, there's a connection that fires up there. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that you, you did that and it was because, of, and all of a sudden faith becomes something very real because God asked me to do something. I changed the way people would normally do their decisions. And all of a sudden faith now has a bearing in everyday life. You have similar stories like that, don't you? There have been things when you've zigged because God said zig and it didn't make sense. So as your kids age up, it's, it's appropriate to talk about it.